Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast special bonus episode. Are you excited, Aaron? I am super excited about this one. <laughs> I'm excited too. So, yeah, let's talk similarities. Daniel won't be joining us for this episode because this is just going to be me rambling about similarities <laughs> of RE4 and RE8. Mm. I've comprised of a list. <laughs> it's a little bonus episode to throw on your little feed this week (laughs) you asked and i delivered (laughs) so i actually have i have 20 points to talk about well before we get into those points i do want to make mention that this will not be this is the first but it won't be the last of these this one we're putting on the main feed for everyone to enjoy and from here on out these will become Patreon bonus episodes where we're going to do comparisons of a lot of things. Uh, I think the next one we talked about doing is focusing on remakes versus the originals. Yeah. Yeah, because I know we had previously, like, we did little talks about um, the remakes and Uh the originals, but this time we're going to actually, you know, go a little deeper Mm -hmm. into comparisons and stuff. So, yep. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited right now. (laughs) Well, I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's go ahead and dive into this. So, number one. They both take place in Europe. What? No. Yep. Yep. I know it seems a little (laughs) generic, like, duh. But both of the settings are in Europe, which, you know, Resident Evil, they've been going to different places. Mm -hmm. So... You know, you had five in Africa and you had one through three in Raccoon City, Mm -hmm. 
well, sort of one, but whatever. Like, both of these take place in Europe. And four, though, takes place in Spain. They were a little bit more specific, but not too specific. They never listed a town mm-hmm. name or anything like that. And with eight, they were even more vague. Yeah. As it just takes place in Europe. So, no, we don't get s- specifics, and clearly it didn't take place in Spain. But, yeah, that was number one. They both took place in Europe. What I'd be interesting, <clears throat> what I would be interested in looking up, and I think I'm going to, um, I might include it in the next bonus episode when I figure it out. I want to see how close, uh, distance-wise, the Spain RE4 setting is to the RE8 village setting. I'm sure somebody out there has done the math. Um, well, good luck, because I tried. Oh, did you? I did. I figured you did. Because I wanted but... a little bit more specific specifics to give to you listeners. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just says it's some mysterious place in Europe with eight. So, Man. Well, that's one down. That's one down. <laughs> Number two, I've got Save the Girl Plot. So, <laughs> I know it. Four, you play as Leon, clearly going to rescue the president's daughter. Mm-hmm. And in Village, you have Ethan rescuing his daughter. So, very, very similar plot lines. And yeah, that's, yeah, let's save the girls. And even more specific, it's always a daughter. Yeah. In both settings, it was a daughter Mm -hmm. that needed rescuing. I mean, you can get technical and say that Ethan's wife was also a part of that little entourage of needing rescued, but. Well, I mean, to be honest, Ethan believed that Mia was dead. Exactly. So I wouldn't include Mia into it because he believed she was dead. He Mm -hmm. was solely there to rescue Rose. And, you know, Leon was uh, hired to rescue Ashley. Yeah. Hope they paid him a lot of money for that. (laughs) So, all right. The next plot point I have is parasites. Both of them feature parasites. Okay. And it's a similarity. I mean, four, you had the Las Plagas parasite. Yeah. And eight, you had the Cadeau parasite. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, this is just, you know, I'm not saying no other game had parasites. No, you know, this is just comparing the two. So, we both of the games had parasites. Yeah, I lost track there for a minute because I was like, no, it had the mold. The mold was a plot point. It was not the main kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't the main instigator between the infections. It was the Cadeau. Yeah, the Cadeau parasite, yeah. because that's what Miranda was experimenting on and just everybody else. So they both featured parasites. Mm-hmm. And with this brought new enemies. So Resident Evil 4 was the first game that featured non-zombies. Yeah. And... So you had these new list of different uh, BOWs, new enemies. And with eight, now granted, that's not new, 
However, they brought forth new BOWs with this cadeau with the um, basic, you know, werewolves. Mm-hmm. We'll just call them werewolves. You got your lichens and everything else with new enemies. So with the parasites also brought new enemies, new BOWs, which was great. Another great comparison. Yep. So moving forward, we have both of the games showed or had religious worship of -hmm. some sort. So you had uh, Sadler in four with the Los Illuminados and their kind of worship. And then with eight, you had Miranda and the Four Houses. And they worship Mother Miranda. We had the Los Illuminados who worship Sadler. They both had some sort of religious worship in the background. Yeah. So. I, if I can steal the thunder from you for a minute, I also liked that the symbols that were utilized to reflect that religious meaning were both archaic in a sense. Yeah. There are there were I wouldn't say primitive by any means in design because the RE8 religious design was a little bit more intricate. Intricate. But they both had that, you know, rustic feel to them. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I like it. So next thing I have is they both had the suitcase inventory. So, which was a little bit different than the other games. Seeing as you've got this briefcase. (laughs) And, however, Ethan's... I found this out when I was researching my stuff. Ethan's is actually bigger to start with than Leon's was to start with. Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah, they kind of were like, okay, let's let's make it just a little bit bigger for the starting. (laughs) I will say that was... One of the only complaints I could find when we were doing the four, uh, RE4 episode. A lot of people complained about the starter size of the RE4 suitcase inventory. And I think they complained because it was two slots too small. Well, then you know what you do? You just get your little um, petas and buy some more. <laughs> That's what we all did. I mean, I get it. It does kind of suck, mm-hmm. but it was just, you know, part of the game. Yeah. And I see why they were complaining about it back then is because, you know, you get all these health items thrown at you at the very beginning. The fish, the eggs, the I mean, you get everything thrown at you right in the beginning and you just don't have inventory space for it. I know, but it's it's also supposed to play into that whole conserve your ammo. Be cautious of what you're doing type mm-hmm. of thing. Which I personally hated. Managing resources. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. But, and with that, also get like you get the Tetris, you know, designs <laughs> of how are we going to fit this in here? Let's move this and let's move this and this. You know, you got your little uh, throwing it back real old school with Tetris. No, well, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> and you know. OCD lovers got to manage their suitcases <laughs> of where things need to be. I will say that pretty. I will say your suitcases always look nice on RE4. Oh yeah, I I have OCD, so 
<laughs> it had to be everything had to be exactly in my little categories and yep it was very nice very organized so next one which I love they both featured merchants yeah yes because we had merchant and four and we have the duke and eight and their little merchants guild thing and the uh, I need more on this Capcom I need more on this (laughs) but I and I did thoroughly enjoy the Duke's little throwback to the merchant form. Mm-hmm. That was fan fucking tastic. I still think we should write up a script and pitch it to Capcom for a exclusive Merchants Guild game. Yes. Where yes. it's just you running around trying to beat the player character to destinations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would actually be kind of fun. Oh yeah. So and going on to or on with the merchants thing both of them both of the games had weapons upgrades with the merchants mm-hmm. so you are able to upgrade your weapons through the merchants which actually leads me into the next part which is they are both full of treasure and you know the treasure is sellable which you can clearly sell to the merchant do your weapons upgrades or what have you, what you want to purchase. Both of the games had that, and both of the games had combinable treasure. Mm-hmm. So you can get a little bit more money. I will say, I also noticed, you were playing RE4 a while ago, and I noticed something when you beat bosses. Some of those bosses will also give you treasured items, much like in RE8. The only difference between that and RE8 really is the fact that the treasured items you get in 8 are actually the bodies, usually the bodies of the big monsters themselves crystallized. Yeah. When you fight the right-hand man in RE4. Mm-hmm. And if you actually defeat him, I know it's hard. That thing was a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. You get part of the crown set. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, I see what you're saying. Some of yeah. them drop. I yeah. So I actually loved it. I love finding treasure. I love treasure hunting. Yeah, I'm so. I'm I'm super glad when they did eight, they brought treasure in like full force. Like there's a lot of treasure to grab. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Absolutely loved it. So now let's kind of get into the game itself or games itself. Both of the games have the three acts, or what I call the three acts. So you have the village, the castle, and you have the lab facility. Both of the games featured that aspect of it. And granted, yes, there's more than just that. Mm-hmm. But you have the village, the castle, and then you have like the lab or the facility. Both of them featured that sort of structure. Yeah. Which is fantastic. (laughs) I like how in 8, though, they expanded each area a little bit more. Like the village was just a little bit bigger. Even though you had to go through... I mean, technically, you were going through different gates to go to different areas. It was still technically still that first part village. And then the castle was just a bit bigger than the castle originally. And you could explore a lot more. Okay. Um, go ahead. 
Uh, they, they definitely grew on from four with that aspect. Mm-hmm. And I did enjoy that part. And like with um, the village part, you know, how you have to keep coming back to get to the next part. Mm-hmm. Both of the games had that. Oh, yeah. Where you'd have to go back to the village to get to the next part of wherever you were going. Always the village. (laughs) So the next thing I have is both games have a violent structure. And let me explain this. So both of the games in the beginning have the protagonist experience an unwelcomed entrance. So Leon going to the village and was greeted with all these angry villagers coming and attacking him. Then you have Ethan who gets to this village who has all these angry villagers attacking him, which is the Lycans. But, um, you know, keep in mind that they both of the games had these people infected with parasites. So you had villagers from both games attacking you in the beginning and both of them you have limited resources you have limited weapons to begin with and this is the first playthrough keep in mind so you know you have limited weapons you have limited ammo you have limited everything and you get assaulted by massive crowds so both of the games had this violent structure from the beginning And it gives you that sort of oh shit feeling right in the beginning of the game. Welcome to Resident Evil. (laughs) Where your shit gets fucked up. Right away. I see what you're saying though. They they, both games followed the same consistent formula in the beginning of the game of a throw the main character into a dangerous situation and make them feel like there is no escape. Your demise is inevitable. Yeah. And where you have to also, um, as you're trying to fight these things off, go and explore so you can find more ammo and health and whatever. Yeah, just adding on more to it. Mm-hmm. So then, which also leads me to both of the games have barricading paths, meaning that you can move shelves to barricade your paths to try to stop them from coming in or slow them down. And with a lot of the other Resident Evil games, it's not so much just barricading. But with these two, it's, oh, you have this option. Let's move these shelves so we can block the path or slow them down or whatever. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So getting more into the games again, both of the games had what I call lackeys for the main antagonists. So Sadler and Miranda both had what I call lackeys, their underlings or whatever, what have you. So, you know, Sadler had Mendez, 
Salazar. And I put Krauser down because even though, you know, Krauser was also his own thing, he was still sort of working for Sadler. And so he had those. And Miranda had, you know, Alcina. She had Donna. She had um, Salvatore and Carl. Mm-hmm. The four member or the four lords of the houses. And they both featured that whole, we've got this thing. We got these underlings. People working for us. And with each of them, or with both of the games as well, these lackeys were in control of some sort of um, the... They were in control of a part of the game. So Mendez with the village. And Salazar with Castle. And Krauser... I wouldn't say he was in control of the island, but he was there. Mm-hmm. He was like the big, other than Sadler himself, he was the big baddie of the island. And then, so with Alcina with the castle and Donna with the house Beneviento, you have Salvatore with the lake and Carl with the factory. Mm-hmm. So they both featured this whole, we've got these lackeys that are in control of certain areas of the game. And then so, (laughs) kind of going back into that a little bit, both of these games featured boats and fish monsters. They did. Mm -hmm. So, with four, you can ride the little boat, you know, on the lake, get to battle the good old lake monster that I hated. I actually hate that part. (laughs) Every time I play through the game again, I absolutely hate this part don't know why I just do. it's just I don't like it it's probably because I got you with uh, shooting the lake so the monster ate you it's all my fault no that's not it at all <laughs> As, no I just don't like it but and then a you have Salvatore the fish monster in the lake mm-hmm. and you know you don't really have like you don't ride out there in a little boat but you do have boats in eight so more comparisons, lots of <laughs> lake monsters and boats. And so just in a little small little comparison there. So the next thing I want to compare, since now I'm going into the Lords of the Houses and, you know, what have you. Now, granted, there wasn't an underling for Sadler in the lake like there was with Eight and Moreau, Salvatore Moreau. But let's get to the castles. Let's talk castles. Talk castles. Yeah. So the castles, you have Alcina and eight, and you have Salazar and four. Now, (laughs) here's some things that isn't similarities, but cracks me up. So Salazar is an extremely short man. Yep. And Alcina is a very tall woman. I loved the contrast of that. Uh, yes. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. It's clearly not a comparison. It's, but it's just, it's hilarious to me. I cracked up. Yeah, they went to the exact extremes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You had Salazar, who's a very, very short man, do 
Alcina, who's a very, very, very tall woman. <laughs> I would go even a step further, and their personalities are contrasting because Salazar was very quick to be ill-tempered. Whereas Lady D, she kept her cool most of the time. Yeah. I wouldn't say all the time. She lost her temper quite a few times as well, but she was more apt to keep her cool because she felt like she was in control the whole time, whereas Salazar was made to feel like he was a flunky. Yeah, he was just there. Yeah. And... Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Salazar, but... Oh, no. He was just a short little... Napoleon. <laughs> but, yeah, I just... <laughs> I guess this really wasn't a comparison, but... <laughs> I loved it, and I had to mention it in this episode. So, which brings me to the next. You have Heisenberg and Krauser. And the similarities between the two are honestly frightening. Mm-hmm. Because you have Krauser who wanted power. Yeah. And you have Heisenberg who wanted power. Mm-hmm. And both of them having their, you know, the backstories that they had. Kind of sad. But the thirst for power in both of them just destroyed their psyche and made them the assholes that we love to hate. Oh, yeah. Although I would say Heisenberg is a little better than Krauser. But, <laughs> you know. With, their, with that in mind, for me, what I noticed was their personalities. Again, back to the personalities here. Krauser's thirst for power was so he never had to feel powerless again, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. However, Heisenberg's thirst for power was so he didn't have to be under someone's thumb ever again. Which kind of, if you think about it, plays into the whole powerless thing. Exactly. Because they wanted to be on top. Basically, in their own in their own certain way, mm-hmm. they wanted to be on top. Exactly. So, though they approached the topic of power in different directions, whereas Krauser was ready to kill you and take it, Heisenberg was ready to try to make a deal with you to get you to help him to achieve his goal. Yeah, their way of going about it are slightly different, but the end goal was always the same. We don't want to feel powerless. Exactly. Which now brings me to my next. With Chris and Ada as backup saving characters. So I understand in eight, Chris is a little more prevalent than Ada was in four. As in like you actually got to play Chris for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. But both of those characters were the backup characters saving your ass a lot of the times. Oh, yeah. So both of the games had that aspect of you have this character that's coming in behind you and saving you when need, when need be. So 
It would have been awesome to be able to play Ada in four. I understand that Ada had her like separate ways thing. I'm talking about like in the game. Mm-hmm. Kind of would have been cool to play Ada for a little bit. Instead yeah. of Ashley, I would have much rather played Ada. <laughs> and yes, yeah, you did get your little bit of time in separate ways with Ada. But mm-hmm. in the game. Let's keep it in the game. So I did like in eight where you got to play Chris for a little bit. Because of course he's a beloved Resident Evil character. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sucked seeing him as a backup character, to be honest. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Deal with it. So, yeah, both of the games featuring backup saving characters. I would be interested to see how separate ways play through time limit compares to how long you get to play as Chris in 8. Hmm. I didn't think about even checking that. Well, we I'll may. get back to you on that, listeners. We may have to do our own research. Darn, we have to play through our two favorite games again. Oh, no. <laughs> that just sounds awful. <laughs> so now that I've covered basically like the lackeys, let's talk Miranda and Sadler. You have these two people, these two cult leaders, these two whatever you want to call them. Whose goal is essentially the same. You know, Sadler wanted power. He wanted basically world domination. He wanted to spread the Plagas, which were all under his control. So he would be on top. We have Miranda, who wanted all this power, all this everything. For to raise her daughter back up. It's a little bit of a difference in the things, but the end goal is the same. They both wanted power and would do anything to get it. So, and both of them were infected. You know, Sadler had the Las Plagas. We had Miranda who had the mold. Both of them were infected with something. And both of them mutated both of them you know went through all of that so we basically have two similar bad guys big bad guys Mm -hmm. the actual bad guys of the game and on that we had a very similar for both of them final battles so you had the Within four, you fight Sadler, who right away actually mutates. And you have Miranda, who goes through a few mutations. Which you get a little bit more with her. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like Miranda has more variations of attacks. Because of that. And the back and forth of... Oh, we killed her. Oh, we did. Oh, we killed her. So, yeah, you have, like, very similar final battles. Which leads to um, you having to use explosives on them to end it. So, you know, Ada gives you the special rocket launcher in 4, and then you have um, Ethan detonating the 
explosions at the end to do that. Both of them had explosions. And both of them, because of the explosions, you know, destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you shot Sadler with the, the special rocket launcher to end them or whatever. The island blew up at the end. You had the time limit to get off. And then at eight, you have the big explosion. Mm-hmm. Both of them had your final battle similar and the ending similar of let's go out with a bang. Oh, yeah. And then comes the end of the game. So both of the games have, you know, your... I say happy ending because I don't know if you'd say eight really with a happy ending, but you get the save the save the girl plot succeeded. Yeah. Both of the girls have been saved. Yeah. At the end. So you get your, you know, mission complete. You saved the girls sort of because Ethan's dead. Quote unquote. I still think he's alive. Um, You get that in both of the games. So I've got another comparison for you. Hmm. Um, at the end of both of the games, it's assumed that both of the merchants are dead. Nah. <laughs> That's not a thing. No, because, <clears throat> listen, okay? Both of them get to places, like, in the blink of an eye. Okay? They got off the islands. <laughs> like, they, well, you know, the merchant got off the island and the duke got, you know, it's, they're gone. They knew it was coming. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the final mission for the Merchant's Guild games. <laughs> Get off the island before they do. <laughs> Get off of wherever you're going, wherever the explosion is. Uh, Just leave. So with all your comparisons out of the way, I want to prompt you with a question. I have one more. Oh, you have one more. I'm so sorry. You're trying to end me too soon. People wanted to listen to me babble. I'm going to babble. <laughs> okay. So... The last, actually, I have one left. So, the last one is both of the games having mercenaries mode. Oh. And you wouldn't think like, oh, okay, they all, not all Resident Evil games have mercenary mode. So, that's why I wanted to put it on there. Because really, after five, it kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. And they brought it back again with eight. So... I wanted to throw that last part in there because, you know, that's at the end of the game. You beat it. Let's get some mercenaries mode. Yeah. So both of them had that. Yeah. And, you know, thinking of it, you're right, because you can argue that Revelations had something like a mercenaries mode, but it still wasn't mercenaries mode. It operated in a similar format, but it was not the same kind of deal. You know, with Mercenaries Mode, your character started with set guns. You know, there was the time limit. You could increase the time limit by killing certain enemies and doing this and doing that. And The hourglass. Yeah, and the hourglasses. And with the mode in Revelations 1 and 2, it was more of a grind out and get to the end point as fast as you can and, you know, complete the mission. Yeah. Complete whatever task we set forth and then get it done you know, kind of mercenaries mode, you could argue, but it's not really mercenaries mode. Yeah, because the whole thing with mercenary mode is just kill as much as you can. 
for fun. <laughs> In this time limit, though. Yeah. With the equipment we give you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, now that you are completed, I want to propose a question to you. Mm. So, we know RE4 was a huge success for Capcom. We also know RE8 is a huge success for Capcom. Do you think it is because Capcom followed the formula of RE4 almost to the letter to create 8? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. I like this question. This is a this is just my mm-hmm. opinion. So, uh yeah, because Resident Evil 4 was great. And they steered they just steered so far away after 6 that bringing this uh formula if you will back to 8 made it feel like Resident Evil now okay I get it I'm biased 4 is my favorite mm-hmm. is my all time favorite but even without all of these similarities when I first played 8 it wasn't let me compare everything to 4 it was just playing 8 and I loved it it felt like Resident Evil again from contrasting from 6 and 7 mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> so I remember when we got eight and you were playing it and you said, you love this game. It's a close second for you in favorites. Do you think that because it followed that formula, it was a close second? Or do you think because of the way you played it? Because you said you played it and without comparing it to any other RE game. Is it because of just the playing it, or is it because it compared so closely to four that it became a favorite for you? I feel like that was similarly to, or similar to your question the last time, but maybe, yeah. Um, no, it wasn't because it compared to four. It was just because you had the set storyline. Mm. You had the you go from place to place to place. And, you know, uncover everything that's going on. You fight the bad guys, fight these B.O.W.s, these creatures. It's That's what makes Resident Evil Resident Evil to me. It's the storyline. It's the settings. It's, you know, going from place to place to place, uncovering new information, finding new things out, stopping this bad guy and this bad guy and this bad guy. That's why I loved it so much. And, yeah, of course, like, as I kept playing it and everything else, I'm like, man, this really does have a lot of similarities with 4. But, you know, I absolutely love Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. That is actually my second favorite game of Resident Evil. 8 is close to it. Yeah. But I absolutely love Resident Evil 2, and... It doesn't compare to four. So, no, it's not just because four is my all-time favorite and I compare everything to it. No, yeah. Because I absolutely love RE2. And so, yeah, that's... So, one last question before we wrap this episode up. If you were going to give Capcom advice to making RE... 
nine as successful as four and eight have been for the series, what advice would you give them? Put Leon in it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, stick to what you did with four and eight, as in you have a set storyline. You you have one storyline. You don't have back and forth and back and forth, and you have five fifty different characters that you're you know. Let's do a little bit on this and do a little bit on this. No, have your one story. You can have everything else happening in the background mm. to be successful. Stick to what you do best. <laughs> Stop trying to differ. Just don't, because it sucks. It, it doesn't really, but... Uh. Yeah, I would just, I don't know. Stick with Rose. Okay. If we're going to do nine, my advice is because, you know, with the leaks mm-hmm. and talking about you, clearly it's not set in stone, but you're an investigator out in this Wild West-esque. I don't know. I didn't like it. I kind of hope those leaks are wrong. Mm-hmm. I would like to play as Rose going on and you know whatever whether it be her trying to get her powers back now that she's powerless or you know whatever it may be I don't I don't know I I don't know I wasn't very happy with the first leaks yeah it felt like another reset button had been hit yeah and this is supposed to be the Winter's Trilogy Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just please keep it the winner's trilogy, Capcom. That's my advice. Just keep it. Don't be no, <laughs> no. So, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to add to this episode? Yeah, both games are fan fucking tastic. <laughs> Go play them if you haven't already. Yeah, thanks for listening to me do all of my comparisons and now I'm sure I've missed some things I'm sure that I didn't mention some things that are similar mm. I was just trying to get the mo- like the key points the big key points of the similarities so I don't spend three hours talking to you all <laughs> so you know keep that in mind too I mean if you want to get on the discord and discuss other similarities with me that'd be great I would like that mm-hmm. so well actually I'm glad you brought up the discord because I'm actually going to prompt a question to our fans and listeners, which is, do you think amongst today's society and the video game culture, a lot of different famous and, you know, exciting video game franchises are somewhat hitting the reset button? Do you feel like Resident Evil needs to hit that reset button as well, or should they stay on the track of where they're at? I would ask for you guys to jump in the Discord and talk to us about that as well and your feelings on that. Personally, I feel like we're on track. We just need to stick with that train trail. I feel like if Capcom wants to try different things with this, I feel like they shouldn't add the game to the numerical cycle. 
that you know you came out with these revelations one and two mm-hmm. okay continue on with the revelations if you want to try something different or name it something different mm-hmm. resident evil whatever okay yeah um because when you realize it's not part of the main numerical order then you're more apt to follow along with whatever path they're going on mm-hmm. so like if they would have had resident evil 7 not resident evil 7 if they would have had that as something else resident evil but name it something else and it's not in the cycle i would have been more apt to appreciate it i guess is what i'm saying so if you if capcom wants to start going down a different path that's fine don't put it in the numerical order make another uh, set of revelations i don't know revolutions i don't know (laughs) but you know name it something different but you could still slap resident evil on it but Mm -hmm. it's not part of one through like nine yeah so both great points i think with their own you know pretty valid arguments but we'd like to hear from you so Jump into the Discord, chat us up, let us know what you feel about this question, and of course, feel free to chat up Ariel on comparisons that you found with RE4 and RE8. Yeah. So, with all that being said, Ariel, you want to close us out? Yeah, I will. Thank you all for listening to the comparisons of RE4 and RE8, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.